Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. But I, I want to take a moment and set the stage, because especially if you're new, you might wonder, it's interesting, this church is very distracted by impacting the city, touching the nation, and globally being at work. Why? Well, we're going to turn to the book of Jonah, which is found in the older part of the Bible, and Jonah is a prophet. And we're going to discover the why behind what we do. Now, you might say, if I asked you, what is the book of Jonah about? You might be tempted to say, the book of Jonah is about a rebellious prophet and a big fish. And while that's a scene and a part of the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah is much larger than that, in that it's about God's creation, his plan to redeem it, and our role in it. I want to invite you from the beginning of this gathering and the beginning of my teaching, I want to invite you to join me Wednesday night at One Church Studio Live at 7 p.m., that same bat channel you're on right now at 7 p.m. You know what we're going to do? The public reading of scripture. I'm going to read through the book of Jonah. And I'll do a little bit of the back narrative. I can't answer every question today, but we'll do that in the chat room. But join me this Wednesday at 7 p.m. just for a public reading of Scripture. It's going to be powerful, and I know it'll be helpful. And this is a really, really, really interesting book. Let me summarize the story of Jonah. Jonah is a prophet in the 8th century BC to the northern kingdom of Israel. Israel had gone through a conflict and it was split into two kingdoms. He's from the north. And, and it says in the opening chapters uh, of uh, Jonah chapter 1, it says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And this is a recurring phrase in the book. And this is a phrase that's important for each of us. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and the word that he received from God was go. It was go. And specifically, go to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, one of the cruelest and most violent empires in ancient history. Uh, it is a, it's, and you, we'll get into this a little next week as we talk about justice issues and as we talk about First Nations in Canada, but there's a lot of narrative to unpack we'll do next week about where they were. But they were, he was to bring a message to Nineveh, but Jonah doesn't want to. Jonah doesn't want to bring this message to Nineveh. And so Jonah decides to go the other way. It says this in Jonah chapter 1. Jonah got up and went the opposite direction getting, get, to get away from the Lord. He's trying to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a boat leaving for Tarshish. If I had a map, you'd see Nineveh over here and Tarshish over here. He's going in the opposite direction. Maybe you can relate to Jonah. Here's a Jonah truth, and I'll bring two or three of them to you throughout this teach, but here's a Jonah truth. Whenever you're trying to run from the presence of God, the enemy of your souls will always provide a boat. He's always going to provide a way out. The enemy, and you know, even if you're new and you're wondering, what do you mean enemy of your souls? Well, there's a lot of evil in this world. You can see it. Well, there's a source of that evil. 
and there's an adversary, an enemy that would love to. It's the Bible says, seek whom he may devour. He's running around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Well, the enemy of your soul will, if you want to run from the presence of God, the enemy of your soul will always provide a boat. In this moment, you know, where's the current of your life taking you? Is it moving you closer to the presence of God or further away from the presence of God? Maybe, maybe like Jonah, maybe you're stowed away in a boat and that boat is a relationship or that boat is an unholy appetite or that boat is a selfish ambition. It's an ambition of yours. But you know, maybe in this moment, you can sense it's actually moving you further away from, from the presence of God. I, I would pray that every man, woman, and child would feel the beautiful beautiful attention of the conviction of the Holy Spirit that would illuminate if you're stowed away in a boat moving away from God's presence so that you have an opportunity to turn. You have an opportunity to change. But Jonah, he gets on this boat and he's running away. And if you know the story, a big storm comes up on the Mediterranean Sea and it's not an ordinary storm, it's a God-shaped storm. So much so that the seasoned sailors fear for their lives. And through a series of events, they kind of discover that, and Jonah admits, that the reason the storm is happening is because he's running from the living God, the true, holy, all-powerful God, the creator of the universe. And Jonah says these words to the sailors. He said, Throw me into the sea and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm, and can you say these words out for, uh, loud with me wherever you are, is all my fault. Can you say that one more time? Is all my fault. It's hard to say those words, isn't it? Listen, if you're a young adult, I want, I want, to, I want to help you understand that, that those words are powerful and life-giving words. Accepting responsibility is something that in the world you're going to be often tempted not to. But Jonah could have blamed God for the situation. He could have tried to blame the, the, the sailors around him. He could have blamed the Ninevites, the Assyrians. But he, he's accepting responsibility. Now, we're not all responsible for everything that has contributed to where we're at. But if you can accept responsibility for whatever is your fault, that's the key to forgiveness and wholeness and health. It's in the acceptance of that. Jonah does that. He accepts the responsibility for where he's at. And then I want you to see something kind of unique in the text. These seasoned sailors who are not following the one true God, they have compassion on Jonah. In fact, they don't want to throw him over. It says, instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. These are guys who are not following God. They, they don't follow the Hebrew God. And, and they discover Jonah. And Jonah says, listen, the fault, reason we're in this precarious situation, this life-threatening situation is because of me. Throw me over. And they don't want that. They don't want his blood on their, on his, on their hands. And instead, they try to spare his life. You know, it saddens me sometimes when I see more grace, understanding, and compassion from people who do not claim or profess to follow Jesus than I do in some who do follow Jesus. I think the words of Jesus haunt me in the best possible way. Yeah, and Pastor Jan touched on this last week when she talked about loving lavishly. What a great message, Pastor Jan. But Jesus, when he was meeting with his disciples, he said, so now I'm giving you a new suggestion. No, no, a new command. Love each other. Okay, love each other. What do you mean by that, Jesus? And he doesn't leave us dangling. He tells us exactly. Just as I have loved you, 
How Jesus loves us, we're to love others. You should love each other. Your love, and this is beautiful, this speaks into our global focus moment, your love for one another will prove. Can you say that out loud with me? Prove. Your love for one another will prove the world to the world that you are my disciples. And it's not just his words, it's Christ's example. Romans tells us this, that but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christians should be the most loving people on the planet. Why? Because we're better than others? Hardly. <laughs> Not at all. But because we've received a love we didn't deserve. We have received forgiveness we could never earn. We have received patience and gentleness and grace that this world cannot possibly understand. And then we're to reflect that back to others because we've been a recipient of it. Well, the storm keeps raging. They can't get to the shore. Row as they, might, as they try, try as they might. The sailors can't get to land. So in the end, they do what Jonah suggests. They throw him overboard. But God's not done. It says this. Now the Lord had arranged. So you know, I love when the Apostle Paul says in Scripture that God has prepared in advance good works for you and I to do. Can you imagine that God has already arranged good things for you to do today? He's arranged things for you to do with your life. And you'll see in a moment that the things he arranges are meant to be for us to be expressions of love and goodness and mercy and justice in this world. But the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. It's kind of significant in that Jesus is inside the grave for three days, three nights, and then he emerges. And when he does, he breaks death and he breaks sin. Jonah, something powerful is going to happen here, but I want to pause. This fish is obviously a gift for Jonah. When Jonah's thrown overseas, a storm is coming. There's water or the storm is raging. The water's around him. Certain death is facing him and God shelters him in a fish. The fish becomes his deliverer. I don't know who needs to hear it today. You might be in a storm of circumstances in your life or you might be in, a, in the middle of an internal storm and it's swirling inside of you. You need to understand for us as followers of Jesus that Jesus is our fish. Jesus is our fish. When the storm swirls around us, we're sheltered in the person of Jesus. He's our fish. He's our deliverer. The, the psalmist says it this way. He says, Jesus, you are my safe refuge, a fortress. Imagine that, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. We, we, we're in Christ and in it we find refuge and he is a fortress where our enemies cannot reach us. Let me live forever, the psalmist says, in your sanctuary. Do you need sanctuary? Do you need rest from everything going on in your life? Safe beneath the shelter of your wings. A beautiful illustration of what we can find in Christ in the middle of whatever we're going through right now in this moment. Call on the name of Jesus. Uh, we run into the tower of righteousness that is Christ. Humble ourselves and acknowledge his sheltering wing over us. And then Jonah, 
is eventually he's delivered. And, you know, for all the kids watching, it's a kind of cool moment in the story because it's kind of icky. It's basically, in the Hebrew, it's basically saying he's vomited on shore from this, from this whale. So kind of, you probably needed a good shower after this. And he begins what becomes a three-day journey to Nineveh. A lot of threes in the book of Jonah here. Friends, here's the story and where it intersects with us. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and it was go. And Jesus to his disciples, and if you're a follower of Jesus, that's you. The word of the Lord has come to us and it is go. But like Jonah, we're resistant to be missionally involved. We, we like our faith more private than public. Let's be honest. And there's something that we resist missionally. And this is why as a church, we put front and forefront, right at the forefront, the go element, the missional element that we're supposed to be engaged in individually and corporately as a community. It's why we organize around Love Army. It's why Global Focus is such a big part of who we are. Because not only are we fulfilling a mission that Jesus has given his church and given us as followers of Jesus, it's helping to form Christ in us. So I'm going to pause because our Global Focus team has a little update Many of you, and I celebrate what Pastor Dan expressed at the beginning of our gathering, eight, over 850 of you gave to our Global Focus Fund last year. Global Focus is something that you'll see in a moment at the end, of, uh, in the end of my teaching, I'll give you an opportunity to give, but you can give to Global Focus, and because you do, we're able to do things just like this. India's second wave of COVID-19 is proving to be deadly. Cases are increasing dramatically and threatening the taxed healthcare system. Hospitals are running out of beds and oxygen, and patients are dying before they can be transferred to another facility. Erdo is standing with our trusted partners in India and will be doing everything it can to support their communities. Erdo will be working directly with two hospitals, GEMS Hospital in Bihar and Kolkata Mercy Hospital. In Sakaria, GEMS Hospital has been overwhelmed by COVID-19 patients and has run out of oxygen. The hospital needs an oxygen generator and is converting 26 hospital rooms into high-dependency units so patients can receive oxygen. Our assistance with GEMS will allow 75 COVID-19 patients to be treated at one time. Kolkata Mercy Hospital has a desperate need for ICU ventilators and non-invasive breathing machines to treat COVID-19. We're providing these medical supplies over the coming months. In Bangladesh, a massive fire swept through the Rohingya refugee camp located in Cox Bazar, Bangladesh in March 2021, leaving in its wake death and destruction. With refugee shelters made out of bamboo frames and tarpaulins, built less than one foot apart, the fire spread rapidly and affected over 2,600 households, leaving nearly 126,000 refugees destitute and squatting in nearby open areas. This project will respond to the immediate needs of 430 vulnerable families with crisis response packs to subsidize emergency food rations, provide protection from insect-borne disease, and provide utensils so families can gather water and prepare food. Each kit delivered costs $81 Canadian and will consist of 10 kilograms of rice, 3 kilograms of sugar, a mosquito net, bed covering, and kitchen utensils. One Church TO is donating $70,000 to India and Bangladesh to help towards both causes through our partner Erdo. 
We thank everyone for their generous giving and support to these causes as we show love to these countries. Man, I, I love being a part of this church. What an amazing group of people. And you know, we're standing on the shoulders of those who've come before us because this has always been at the heart of One Church Deal. This has always been a part of our express mission to care, to love, to give, to pray, and go. And then when the word of the Lord comes to us, we want to respond. And you know, I've been in that Rohingya refugee camp and Every one of those 126,000, that's a big number, and it can just be faceless, nameless people, but Jesus knows every one of them by name, and they all matter to him. So as the story continues, Jonah kind of gets himself cleaned up, and he takes the three-day journey to Nineveh, and he declares the message God has for Nineveh, and I'll share that with you next week. And surprising to him, they repent. And then we see in, in Jonah, I think it's the worst complaint in the Bible. I honestly do. In maybe human history, the worst complaint I've ever seen. Jonah complains, and he complains to God. And he says this, I knew, it's almost like I, he's waving the finger, I knew, I knew that you are merciful and a compassionate God. What kind of complaint is this? You know, I grew up and sometimes I was, God was more characterized as someone with lightning bolts ready to catch me. But Jonah is connecting and all of a sudden God is revealing to him his true nature, which is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Our God is filled, filled up to the brim with unfailing love for you, friend, for all humanity. You are eager. He's talking to God. God is eager, excited, leaning in to turn back from destroying people. God doesn't want judgment to fall on people. The apostle Peter would say it this way. He's giving time for people to repent. He's holding that back. Justice demands a verdict, but he's holding back because he longs for all of us to apply Jesus' righteousness to each of our lives. And he wants that for all of humanity. This is maybe the world's worst complaint you could ever read. What kind of complaint is this? Well, this is the epitome of privilege, friends. Now, privilege is a buzzword in our culture today. It really is, isn't it? And, uh, you know, when I'm going for, to get a definition of a word uh, that's being used in the modern vernacular and culture and world, I often go to the Urban Dictionary. And the Urban Dictionary defines culture this way, or privilege this way. A group of Karens, now if you're a Karen watching, it's not saying you, you may need to Google what a Karen is. A group of Karens traveling together, similar to a pride of lions, except the lions want to speak to the manager. I, I laughed so hard when I saw this, but hopefully you are, I can't hear you, but I, listen, Jonah's being a Karen here. Jonah is privileged. Jonah has the privilege of knowing the living God. He's felt his presence. He's felt his life-giving presence. He's experienced the power of the living God. He's been delivered even through the miraculous moment of a large fish that spares his life. Jonah has seen God on full display and he doesn't want to share it. He doesn't want others to benefit from what he's already received. He wants to keep it to a smaller circle. Jonah, you're going to see in chapter four, he wants to talk to the manager. I got a problem. I got a complaint. 
And we're going to read it in, on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. at One Church Theo Live. So make sure you join me for that. But friends, you know, here's the thing about this Jonah. And this is the, our next Jonah truth. Is, it's a little long, but this is true of you and me. If you know Jesus, I'm speaking to those of you who know Jesus. If you've experienced his grace, if Jesus has forgiven you, been patient with you, graced you, assured you, secured you, if he has loved you and guaranteed eternal joy and life to you, then you are a person of privilege. What a privilege to know Jesus. What a privilege to have experienced him, to, to, to have the word of the Lord come to us. The word of the Lord come to us. And then Jesus is saying to his disciples and he says to us, and because you've experienced that, go. Go and do good deeds. Love Armiet. Go and bring goodness wherever you go. Go and bring the good news of what Jesus has done to reestablish a relationship with God the creator. Now, arguably, none of us might be struggling with the same barrier that Jonah does. And you'll see next week. Some of his resistance to not wanting to go has to do with the people that God called him to go to. He's, and he comes by it honestly. This was a very violent and cruel empire. And there's a lot of racial hatred here. That might not be the reason why we don't actively participate in the mission that God gives us. I think if I was to be honest about me, the reason I don't always actively participate in the mission that God has for me or this church is often it's because I'm either indifferent or I'm distracted. See, you and I, we got a lot going on in our lives, don't we? You got a lot going on at school. You got a lot going on in your career path. You got a lot going on with your family and all the things that are required of you and the problems and the needs that we all have. And we have so much going on that if we're not careful, we develop a theological problem like Jonah had a theology problem. Jonah had a theology problem here. See, Jonah had a relationship established with God, but his relationship with God was about him and his people. It was about him and his people. He had built a circle around that. And if we're not careful, that's the same theological problem we all tend to develop. See, when I come to God, and when I first came to Jesus, I came to him in a moment of real need. I knew I needed a savior. I needed someone to rescue me. And, and that's, that's how we all come to him. We all have to come to him in a moment where we acknowledge our deep need and his ability to meet that need. But if we're not careful, what it becomes is this relationship more about Jesus and me and my people. And my people could be my family, my friends, my circle, whatever it is. And it's a limited perspective and view on how we see the mission that God gave us. So friends, Christians, when Christians elevate their own interests and their own security over the good and salvation of all people in this world, we sin like Jonah. When we, when we elevate the economic flourishing of our nation over the good of the human race, then we sin like Jonah does. See, what, what at the base of this theological problem is really just a misunderstanding of God and his relationship to us. L let me correct it here. And this is what Jonah was missing. God is generous. And you need to understand, I don't know what limitations you put on his generosity or his capacity to be generous, but there are no limitations. 
And in turn, we are to be generous. And if you don't get this straight, you will exercise your faith from a place of scarcity instead of plenty. Here's our last Jonah thought, and it's simply truth this one. Our mission as a church flows not from a place of scarcity, but plenty. Oh, you know, Dr. Van touched on this in a live stream we did about a month ago or so. And, he, and he, at one point he paused in the middle of a pandemic and he saw all the fear and anxiety and conspiracy theories and everything that were percolating in Christian community. And he said these words that I can't get out of my head. Christians, where have your, has your courage gone? Friends, we, we limit when we operate from a place of scarcity instead of plenty, we're, we're saying, God, you're not enough. That we're not acknowledging that he is the provider of all things. Uh, he's more than enough. And then as an individual, our mission as a follower of Jesus flows from a place of plenty, plenty of love, plenty of forgiveness, plenty of grace, plenty of mercy, plenty of righteousness and justice and provision that he offers to us, not scarcity. And this changes the trajectory of how we handle, how we handle life. So friends, I, I met with our board of deacons. This is a fantastic group of members of this church. And I'm so thankful for their leadership, both the sitting board and the one before, just as we've navigated these difficult moments of COVID. Because COVID has, COVID's been hard on us as a church. And I'm thinking of people when I think of that. It's been hard on our city our nation. COVID's robbed people of life. COVID has, has, has shut down businesses. Painful. COVID has masked our smiles. COVID has caused lonely people to experience greater isolation. COVID has robbed people of opportunities to meet others and to engage in community. But as I gathered with, the, with our deacons, I, 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 I felt like I had a word from the Lord, the word of the Lord. And it was not to accept that and to remind myself, and I need to do this for me too, not just for us as a community, that COVID could not rob me of a future that was already secure in Jesus. That COVID could not take the promise of God from us as a community. That COVID could not take our faith COVID is not that powerful. God is powerful. And we'll meet in physical gatherings again in September. And until then, we're working really hard to renovate this facility, to build a fully integrated digital channel, but a really enhanced physical gatherings experience that we want for us. I can't wait to hear the voices of children in our facility again. And we're that close, friends. We're that close to it. But, but hear me. Hear me, no matter who you are, a member of our church or an adherent or one of our staff members that is listening right now or even a guest or a visitor, whoever you might be, if we, if we don't emerge on the other side more generous, more compassionate, more gracious, then we will have wasted this moment. And we would have we'll sinned like Jonah did. Because we're not leaning in from a place of scarcity and I know fear makes you feel that. And all of the stuff we've experienced over this last year, you can feel the scarcity just rising. But friends, just as I look in our world and I talk to many of us, I know there's like a low-grade anger 
in culture and society. And it's not even, in, in, even among us. It's not necessarily directed at anyone. But man, we're, we're angry at the pandemic. We're angry at being told what to do. We're angry at being limited. And I get it. I get it. And Jesus understands it. But friends, as followers of Jesus, and I'm speaking to you directly, God is a God of plenty. God is a God of plenty. And as I was told when I was much younger, and if you're a young adult, hear this next phrase because it's important for you to remember. Safe is risky, actually. We, we think safe is safe. Safe is actually risky in these moments. Instead, I, I'm swinging for the fences. <laughs> and I'm inviting you as we reemerge into physical gatherings and we keep our digital gatherings as strong as ever, I'm committed to leveraging whatever privilege I've enjoyed in my life and certainly the privilege of knowing Jesus to help people experience the living God themselves, to go into all the world and make disciples, to pray, to give, and to go. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.